have those, it's pretty amazing to watch them victories. And those victories can be huge when they, um, when they finally say, all right, I need dialysis. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And I'm going to feel better. And then they see the results and it's huge. Patients truly are partners in their care. I think where kidney disease and transplantation are concerned, there needs to be buy-in, there needs to be trust, and there needs to be respect. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Nephron segment, where nephrology is always concentrated, sometimes convoluted, but never dilute. Join a group of nephrons as we push the boundaries of kidney medicine. Our focus today is nurses and kidney care. I'm Samira Farouk, a transplant nephrologist at Mount Sinai. I'm Ellie Mannon, an MD-PhD student at the Medical College of Georgia. I'm Sam Kant. I'm a transplant nephrologist at Johns Hopkins. I'm Matt Sparks, a nephrologist at Duke University. Today, we have two special guests with us here at the Nephron segment. We have Terry Murray, a dialysis nurse, and Jonathan Arminti, a transplant coordinator. Terry, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey to becoming a dialysis nurse? As you said, I'm Terry Murray, and I'm a nurse in dialysis, and I started in... Um, 1992, my children were, I had three children under three years old. I was working in an intensive care unit, 12 hour shifts, and I needed something that would be much more compatible with my life. And I kind of fell into dialysis because I was looking for a better schedule. And uh, I found my niche very quickly once I got there. Um, I worked in chronic units. I coordinated a um, an acute unit for about probably eight years and I coordinated a home unit and then I went back to staff nursing. I've been doing that for about 10 years now again. So for about the last 30 years, I've done almost exclusively dialysis. How'd you get first introduced to dialysis in the first place? The ad in the paper said be home for the holidays. That was when uh, jobs were advertised in the newspaper and uh, I was perusing the newspaper looking for something that might fit my life a little better. I had my three children were, as I said, under three, and I had my sister's two children I was raising too. So I needed to get out of those 12-hour shifts. However, I put the application away until after the holidays because I didn't want to abandon my fellow staff members at the holiday time. And then I found it in the desk drawer, sent it in. I had no idea what dialysis was about, but I really did love it as soon as I started. Thanks for sharing that. Jonathan, you're on the other end of things with transplantation. We'd love to hear about your experience, how you got involved in that, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Nursing is my second degree. I won't say career because I never did anything with my first degree, which was in sociology. I had to do some volunteer work and chose to do it in a PACU. So I really just, I liked what I saw. I felt like there was good overlap between kind of the applied sciences of sociology and the clinical stuff happening in the hospital. So I went to nursing school, worked for, worked for a time inpatient with cardiac patients, with heart patients. But during that time also was volunteering on the inpatient transplant unit, pushing around a kidney-friendly food cart. So that sort of sparked my interest in transplantation made my way into that world at first as a pre-transplant kidney pancreas coordinator. The bulk of that role is to assess and manage patients who are waitlisted. And then after several years of 
doing that, moved to post-transplant, and the bulk of that role is managing immunosuppression, kidney function, in tandem with the multidisciplinary team, right? So it's myself, an attending nephrologist, pharmacist, and, and bunches of other great people. So I have some some family history, some personal history with kidney disease. And I think that, you know, while that wasn't sort of a conscious part of my moving into transplant, you know, it has certainly served me. And I think it's impossible to kind of, you know, separate that out. So that's a little bit about me. Jonathan, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And could you give us your perspective on really what your role is as a member of the transplant team? I think the roles of the pre-transplant clinical coordinator and post-transplant coordinator, there are differences when you take a granular look at those two roles, but I think what they both have in common, which what nursing is about generally, is patient education, right? So I think on the pre-side, there's a ton of education about the listing process, the waiting process, consents, what is the rationale behind all the clearances that the patients need to have. And then on the post side, delivering news, delivering results, coming up with plans of care, and sort of being some person in between what feels like a really scary, super clinical space, and then the patient experience, right? So I think education, I would say, is kind of the, the umbrella. To sort of build off that, and we'll take this to Terry next, but What do you think it is about this experience that you've had that keeps bringing you back every single day? What do you enjoy most about it? What keeps me coming back every day, what inspires me to to sort of do it and not to, you know, it's a hard job, right? But I feel like we're setting people free and that is the goal. Like that's just, you know, you can't bottle that. In post-transplant care, you can really see when it goes well, um, and that's a big caveat, but that when it goes well, you're really just achieving a kind of wellness, a kind of freedom that is magical. I think what I really sink my teeth into every day. So Terry, I think being a seasoned dialysis nurse, you know, you've seen the transition of how things have improved dramatically now that we move towards a more person-centered phase of care, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing our, our dialysis patients? Our dialysis patients are, they're much sicker than they were 30 years ago when I started. Many more of our patients back then, their, their primary disease was kidney disease. Now more and more, our patients' primary disease is hypertension, diabetes, and kidney diseases become the result of those things. So I think more and more, there, there are more and more social issues that go along with that, that we see as the patients come into the unit, they have more and more difficulty even just getting there. Transportation issues, those sort of social things. Then you have the all the comorbidities that they have. So you have this really complex patient who also has kidney disease. Working in an acute unit, which I did for many years, we mostly just gave our patients some um, survival skills is what we called them as they went, as they left the hospital to go to their first outpatient dialysis treatment. And that still is, you know, as an acute nurse, that's really all you can do. And then as they transition into in-center, I think that um, Jonathan kind of alluded to it by saying they're kind of set free by a transplant. We really don't see as many patients, or at least it doesn't 
feel like we see as many patients going for transplants as we did 30 years ago, because I think that population of patients that their disease was, their primary disease was kidney disease were more transplantable. But we have, now we have patients with all these comorbidities who aren't necessarily transplant candidates. So helping them to adjust to a life of dialysis and helping them accept that they have to come three times a week or they have to do a treatment at home all the time. Those are some of the biggest challenges that I think our patients have is the, it's a whole lifestyle. Their diet is so difficult and the patients will often say, well, there's nothing really I can eat. And they, cause they feel that way, especially the hemo patients, cause so much of what they, so much of their disease management is managing their diet so that they, you know, do well. I wanted to ask a two-part question to both of you. Um, so one, what is the most challenging thing that you do in your day-to-day work? Um, I think we've heard a little bit about that. Um, and second, what do you think needs to be done to improve the care for patients with kidney disease, whether they're receiving dialysis or they have kidney transplants? I think so many of these folks are, after transplant, are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. They are so traumatized by the first conversation they had when they were told for the first time that their creatinine was creeping up, that they needed to see a nephrologist. And then again, sort of, OK, now we're planning for dialysis. Right. At least for those who were on dialysis pre-transplant. But in some way, all, most of these folks have were traumatized by that conversation at some time in their past. And so I think that they're waiting a lot of these people for the shoe to drop again, right? And they're sort of like coming for labs with bated breath every time for me to tell them, okay, you can sleep easy until your next collection, until your next lab drop. So the hardest thing for me is having to send a message that is, you know, okay, the shoe might be dropping here again, right? We might be staring down the barrel again of dialysis, retransplant, whatever. And so the language surrounding that is really patient specific, really case specific. That's how I would answer the first part. That's what I find to be the the most difficult. One of the most challenging things is gaining that patient's trust. They're putting their confidence in us three times a week, um, that we're going to take good care of them, that we are going to have their best interest at heart. And after you've worked with a group of patients for an extended period of time, they know you and they trust you. And they need that opportunity to build that trust again. And then once you have that trust, maintaining it. So many of the our dialysis patients are, um, and Jonathan kind of alluded to this, in the dialysis world, we see a lot of anger and resentment. And it's sometimes it's difficult to, especially for new nurses, not so much once you have experience, you kind of get it. And it's the machine they're angry at, not you. But we are often the targets of that anger because they kind of associate us with their kidney disease. That's sometimes a little difficult to to deal with. And then to get once you can build that trust with the patients, then then you don't see that so much because they come in, they see you. You're a welcome a welcome uh, face to them. What do you think we can do to improve the care for patients with kidney disease, either those receiving dialysis or those that have a kidney transplant? One of the things that over the years that I've seen change, and I, I want to make sure I say this so that it's not, I don't want to make light of 
of everybody's role. But when I first started working in dialysis, we were all nurses, mostly RNs with a few LPNs. And there's been this trend toward more and more patient care techs. And the nurse, not so much where I work right now, but in generally the nurse kind of gets pulled away from that chair side care and into more of a supervisory role of the of the technicians. And the other consequence of that is then the nurse is not always there to help with that higher level decision-making. And the reason I say that is because when I first started in dialysis, we would have the charge nurse who would also often be taking care of patients, but that charge nurse who was involved in the day-to-day care of the patients was also rounding with the doctors and reviewing the different things that we were doing with the patient, reviewing their general state. And I, I haven't seen that in any setting that I've worked in in a long time. And I think, you know, there are several reasons for that. But personally, I'd like to see the nurses, that involvement brought back so that nurses are more involved in that kind of higher level, or at least have more input into that higher level decision making. I think that that would be valuable. In terms of improving care for the transplant patient, it's just such an overwhelming process for patients from beginning to end. There are so many ways that I would like to see the process streamlined. When I was pre-transplant, there was a lot of attention paid to social support as part of, as a requisite part of clearing folks for transplant. To be honest, I didn't quite understand why that was so important. Now that I'm on the other side, one cannot overstate the importance of social support. And so I don't really have a clear, sort of well thought out practical answer about how to make, how to solve that problem or how social support can make things easier. But I, I think that including those people at as many sort of parts in the process as possible would make it easier for patients in the pre-transplant would make it easier for folks when they come out post-transplant. People really don't do well when they are an island all of a sudden after transplant and having to manage their meds, having to come back and forth. I think it would be more difficult to include these support people more often in the process, but I think it would improve outcomes significantly. If there was a second set of eyes and a second set of ears, listening to me talk about ProGraph or listening to me talk about the next appointment to get to that place where people are, where there are support people woven in throughout the process. You know, that is, I think, an effort that happens at our stage in the game when it is that a person comes to see us pre or post. But I also think it needs to happen right outside before the point where a person is referred to transplant, right? So The general public needs to know about transplantation, needs to know about living donation, needs to know about what goes into the process pre and post. So there's more education, more understanding. How to improve is a really as strong as possible, a support network. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a theme from both of you that I'm hearing is that the whole process for the patients can be so overwhelming. And I think we would all agree that that's the case. And support person is so important when someone is getting, as you mentioned, all the pre-transplant information, but also when they're, I think, getting a new diagnosis of kidney disease. Um, They may have never heard of that before. They may not know anybody with that. And I think, you know, as you're saying, the earlier that is built into the system, I think that may, you know, promote success and better care for that person moving forward. And, you know, we're always saying that the more involved patients are in their own care, 
leads to better outcomes. And so I think that is a really important step in moving that forward. One of the things that we've talked about is trust. And you mentioned that. And I'd like to hear from both of you. How do you do that when you're with a patient? What are some ways in which you can gain trust? I am impressed by how tolerant a patient is or how resilient they are, how present they are if we're doing education or how brave they are if I'm injecting them with something or doing some wound care. I really try to acknowledge that. It's easy to mentally bookmark difficult situations, difficult folks when you take care of them. And I think, you know, patients feel that. I think patients feel less often sort of validated and praised and seen by their by the people taking care of them. So I like not to be afraid to share those moments with patients. We've been, you know, really sort of uh, back and forth about whether or not we should, you know, you need a biopsy. You've been, you know, you've come for labs three times this week. I just want to acknowledge that you have a job and you have a family and that's really hard. So that's how I would answer it. I think just helping patients, sending the message that you see the patients as human beings with a whole life on top of and around their organ helps them to um, trust that you're on their side. I would kind of echo what Jonathan said about seeing the whole patient. Oftentimes, if you strike up a conversation with them about something completely separate from their kidney disease, then and you, you're invested then in their whole life and not just their disease. Also just being present each time and having them see you more, see you frequently and consistency. I think being consistent with them is, is huge. And, and as he said as well, noticing their victories. Sometimes their victories are so small and they're so spread apart. It's important to notice those victories even if it's something as small as they come in and they tell you that they didn't eat the cheese, they ate something else so they could avoid the phosphorus or whatever. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Their victories are often small and they need to be noticed. Um, having kidney disease, I think I have so much respect for the patients because it, I can't think of a disease that would be harder to live with than kidney disease. I've never seen a stronger bond between any patient and their dialysis nurse. There's no other condition that you see a patient that frequently, three times a week for decades. And it is really, really tough when bad things happen, but it's also really awesome when they get a transplant and they're no longer in the unit because they got that transplant. I mean, that, what is it like to get that deep of a relationship with a patient, Terry, you've been doing this for 30 years? I think the time... In my career, when I when I noticed it the most is when I was doing, well, home dialysis. And then because when you're doing home dialysis, you spend so much time with the patient training them. You'll see them every day for three or four weeks in a row for home hemo. And then at least for a week or maybe a week and a half when you're training them for PD. And then you follow up with them oftentimes daily for weeks after that to make sure they're doing okay. Um, and you actually get into their home, literally. Um, so it's it can be the most amazing thing ever. You know, I, I, I've watched things that I think are truly miracles happen for patients. They come in, they 
they've either resisted starting dialysis or they didn't do well on in-center dialysis. And now all of a sudden they're getting really well dialyzed and oh my God, I get choked up talking about it. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're able to walk again and maybe they couldn't before. So as, as much as I'd like to think I'm a hardened dialysis nurse, obviously I'm not. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing to watch them have those victories and those victories can be huge when they, um, when they finally say, all right, I need dialysis. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you tell me to do, and I'm going to feel better. And then they see the results, and it's huge. Jonathan, can you tell us about the relationships you gain in transplant? Very similar. You see them a lot and really get to know them. What are some of the experiences that you've had in post-transplant or pre-transplant care? I think it's really hard not to come to know the patient's entire, their like little nuclear family a lot of the time. You know, when they do well, you find yourself, and when they're not doing well too, you find yourself sort of folded into, it almost feels to me like I'm sort of folded into these conversations that some of these folks are having at home, that they're, you know, sort of want to run things by me, want to ask, want to talk about the timing of certain life events, graduations, trips, some traumatic life events, right? People pass away and having to sort of be there to navigate. Maybe they need infusions and they need to be out of state for a few months or something like that. They really feel that in transplantation, more more so than other places I've been, the patient's sort of unit. They're, they're, and I keep wanting to just say family, but that looks different, right? Family looks different for all kinds of people. But the point is, it's, you know, it's whatever that little nucleus is, it's kind of orbiting around the patient. That's my focus. Those people are indispensable. And, and it's really a privilege, I think, to be led into that space and to come to know in an intimate way what's happening in these people's lives. You know, there are particular things that I can recall. I think... For a lot of the patients who who I see, who we serve at Sinai, I think food is a really important, um, like a really powerful gesture of gratitude. And it's going to kind of plays an important role culturally for a lot of the people we take care of. And I really love it. You know, a lot of our patients bring us food, home cooked food. And again, I just, it's very much a privilege, I think, to be allowed into that space and for somebody to trust you enough to kind of bring you something that they created at home. That's a really personal thing. I'd like to go back to the, um, how we can improve the care for our, especially our in-center hemodialysis patients. And Jonathan's touched on it a couple of times and that, that family support, that social support. So oftentimes we don't see that social support or that significant other in the outpatient hemodialysis unit. You see them all the time in the home care unit. They usually accompany their, their loved one for their visits and you can interact with them. But there are very few in-center hemodialysis patients who have that significant other come with them on a regular basis at all to their appointments or to be seen. So I don't know. I, I wonder if that would be one way that we could, if we could integrate the family unit back into that with our in-center hemodialysis patients. Because, you know, I remember when I was doing PD, we had this, a couple of 
particular patients, they were men. And, you know, we would always, the nurse would always go in with the patient when they were seen by the doctor for those visits. And, um, you know, we'd sit back behind and the doctor would interview the patient and the, the spouse would be sitting there and be going, no, yes, no, either agreeing or disagreeing. And, and the doctor would really get the full picture from the, from the significant other. The patient would often just say, oh, yeah, doc, I'm feeling fine. And you'd see the wife sitting back behind him nodding her head. No, he's not. And then they could, they could get the full picture because you can't really take care of anybody if they're not telling you what's really going on. And I, I do think that's one of the things that is missing from the in-center hemodialysis world. One thing that I've really enjoyed hearing both of you talk about is how present you are in your experiences with all of these patients and what an impact this has. And I've just really enjoyed listening to the stories and perspectives that you both have. And I guess my question now is just what would you guys both like to share with trainees? What do you want them to know most about nursing's role in hemodialysis, in the care of patients with kidney disease, or just in terms of caring for someone with kidney disease, important aspects of patient care? I have two, two thoughts that come to, come to mind. The first is that a patient is not their disease process. They are so much more than that. And I think we as a group have kind of talked about that today, just how sort of um, far reaching the tentacles of kidney disease can be into a person's life. Um, and so I think that, you know, one is remiss to kind of not to see that the patient is so much more than that. The second thought I'm having is that so many of my patients are so well educated about their disease process. And the thing that comes to mind, I think most often for me is like diet. So nu nutrition, meaning nutrition. I think that, and this, this maybe kind of um, relates to the, the first point I made, but that patients truly are partners in their care, I think, where kidney disease and transplantation are concerned. There needs to be buy-in, there needs to be trust, and there needs to be respect. There needs to be, you know, the provider, the nurse needs to respect that their patient knows their body well, has been living in that body for much longer than you've been taking care of it. And so that's, it's really, I say to my patients often, you know, this is a team and that team includes you. I try whenever possible to move away from, you know, anything that can feel sort of paternalistic, right? This is a conversation, you're a part of it. And this is always going to be something, you know, kidney disease, whether it's dialysis or transplantation is going to be with you for the rest of your life. Giving patients the knowledge about themselves and their own health and also listening to their perspectives and their own experiences as you go on to sort of help them manage their disease or the disease that they have, I think is, is really important. Um, Terry, do you have anything that you would also like trainees to know? I think so many goals are set for us by outside agencies things like CMS, KDOKI, we have all these measures that we have to meet so that our dialysis units get paid, we can stay in business, and we can keep taking care of people. But I think the most important goal that everybody needs to keep in mind is what is it that the patient wants out of this? What is their next big thing? Some patients, their goal is to get a transplant. 
other patients, their goal is to get to their granddaughter's wedding or to, you know, spend as little time at dialysis as they possibly can and still have a quality of life. We need to keep the patient-centered care. To me, that's what patient-centered care is. We need to know what their goal is and then try to help them meet their goal. And yes, we do have to meet our measures that we're mandated to make, but we still need to keep in mind that the patient's at the center of that and their goals are the most important. And we need to find out what those are. I think oftentimes we lose sight of that completely. The patients in our hospital, their nurses every day ask them what their goal is, right? Their goal related to their health or just their goal for that day. And, you know, coming into round on them early in the morning, that's one thing that I've always enjoyed because it also gives me more insight to who they are, even if that was something that they may not, you know, want to share with me, <laughs> the trainee, <laughs> waking them up early, asking them how the night was. But thank you so much for that. Unfortunately, we are almost out of time. And so we wanted to ask one completely unrelated question to both of you. What is one thing that brings you joy outside of your work? Well, the biggest reason I moved to Durham is because I have granddaughters who live about a half an hour away from me here. And that's one of my biggest joys is spending time with them. And we like to bake cookies together. So that's a lot of fun. I used to really be into mini miniature trains, but I don't have the room to do that in New York. So I've replaced miniature trains with rescue dogs. <laughs> so rescuing and fostering little doggies brings me passion, brings me joy. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. We have come to the end of the Nephron segment. Thank you to both Terry and Jonathan for being on this episode, for so candidly sharing uh, your stories, experience, and advice with our listeners. We hope there's a few of them. Um, and uh, we hope that you have um, enjoyed getting to chat with us a little bit. A big thank you to our listeners. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Nephron segment, where nephrology is always concentrated, sometimes convoluted, but never dilute.